So, um, you know, thank you for inviting me. And, uh, you know, Camo has shown me a few of the, the thoughts and the questions which people have been bringing up and the theme of today. So I, I was thinking, uh, you know, to share with you uh, a guided meditation on the elements, which is uh, comes from the, from the early Buddhist tradition and, uh, you know, gives us a direct experience of emptiness, I would say. Because we can, you know, in this guided meditation experience, the different qualities of the four primary elements, earth, water, fire, and wind, and also the space element. And through this direct experience, you know, we can develop what we call wisdom, because wisdom is experience understood. And that can only be happening, you know, through our personal individual experience. We can't get wisdom from another being. We have to have that experience in our own body and mind. And, uh, you know, the Buddhist teachings are very pragmatic and very practical. They are not telling us what life is or what something is, but it gives us tools so we can experience it for ourselves. And uh, I think, you know, the meditation on the elements is particularly timely right now in this time of, uh, you know, great environmental unraveling and you know we are all in this together and i think it's it's a good idea to use all of these difficult experiences with the pandemic being one of many you know using it as a an a wake-up call really to understand more deeply that we are not separate from each other not separate from the environment, not separate from planet Earth, not separate from the cosmos itself, which is you know, nothing else but emptiness in constant display all around us. You know, and we have to learn to really hear that, to really see that, to really sensitize our minds and hearts to that constant teaching which we are receiving, you know. If we can really listen to hear, you know, life speaking for itself. But we are so, you know, distracted usually that we can't hear it. And this, you know, meditation on the elements is one uh, skillful means, one tool, how we can sensitize our minds and hearts to hear what life is telling us all the time. And I think, you know, all instructions which we receive are means, you know, to hear life speaking to us. And uh, the example today is comes from early Buddhism and is part of the first, you know, teachings on meditation in the Pali Canon, which is called the Four Satipatthana or the Four Establishments for the Development of Mindfulness. And it's a very, very simple template which underlies all meditation instructions of all three um, yanas, really. And the first one, the first establishment of mindfulness is body, kaya in Pali. Second one is feeling tones, vedana. Third one is mind state, chitta. My name, Santa Chitta, means a peaceful mind. And, and the, the fourth one is Dhammas, or, you know, understanding the um, conditionality of all experiences. Understanding and seeing the connections. And seeing those connections clearly and seeing the lawfulness of those connections is liberating. And... So those four Satipatthana are the basics of the Buddhist meditation teachings and they show us emptiness. If we can really sensitize our minds and train our minds to be able to pay attention in this way, then what we realize first is impermanence, 
and then if we really allow that truth you know to come really close it will become clear to us as emptiness and in the early buddhist teaching that's called anatta or not self and in the later teachings we call it emptiness so you know that's like the central realization we need to have in order to liberate the mind from all limiting beliefs and it's the same in all three yanas and there's a different you know take on it in all three and the vajrayana has a particular huge amount of skillful means you know in order to train the different characters of people with different propensities and so on but it all is based on that very clear and simple pragmatic and practical truth of impermanence that everything is in constant flux and everything is in constant change and it doesn't make any sense to hold on to that which is constantly changing and then the result of that is the insight into not self because that which is constantly changing can't be called the self because it doesn't exist from its own side it's a coming together it's a process so let us you know start with the meditation now on the elements to just have a real direct experience and i have that actually from the from the kachi tradition you know comparing this illusory body with a mount or with a riding animal which we borrow from nature for a certain time and we look after it and we use it and then when it comes you know to an end we we give it back and if we have trained ourselves in looking at, at the body in this way then it will be much easier you know, to give it back when it when the time comes so you know becoming aware that this body is just a mount for consciousness which we have borrowed from nature that's what this meditation can bring home to us and uh, for example you know in a in the early buddhist text of the machimanikaya is said that which you perceive as a person consists of the six elements ultimately there is no person here person is a mere concept and you know when i give those instructions now there is no need you know for you to effort in any way to try to have a particular experience you know just simply listen to my words and then allow you know your mind to respond however it can you know there's no need to force anything so find a posture you can sustain for about you know 30 minutes It doesn't matter you know, if you're sitting on the chair, on a cushion, on a couch. What's important is that your mind, uh, that your your spine is erect, your body is erect, so that the air can flow in and out unhinderedly, and allowing the mind to rest on the body, just as the body rests on the cushion or the chair. and then you know bringing to mind your intention your aspiration why have you come today why do you want to meditate 
And then we can start with earth element. And the clearest we can experience earth element, which the quality of it is hardness and structure. And you just, you know, press your teeth together and feel that hardness. Not thinking about hardness, but experiencing hardness. So you can also touch your fingernails. That's what hardness is. Just simply hardness. And the whole body is permeated by earth element. And we can particularly also feel it in the bones. And we're going to start with a, a body sweep now, starting a body scan, starting from the top of the head and trying, you know, to experience hardness in the sky. Earth element. Head. And then sweeping down the neck. Earth element. And just let it come to you. You don't need to do anything. Just, just listening and paying attention. Shoulders, earth element, hardness. Upper arms, earth element, hardness. Lower arms, earth element. And hands, earth element, hardness, torso, with the spine and the ribcage, earth element, pelvis, earth element, upper legs, earth element. Lower legs, earth element. And the feet, earth element. The whole body is permeated by earth element. Earth element internally and earth element externally, the mountains and the stones outside are exactly the same. There's no difference between internal and external earth element. Earth element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't, you know, take in earth element from outside through eating for one or two months, this body shuts down. It can't live without a constant supply of earth element. And then we become aware of the seat or the cushion, which is external earth element. And the, the feeling of gravity, which pulls us towards the planet, which is also earth element. And then in order for earth element to be, you know, hanging together, to, to be uh, not just quicksand, there needs to also be water element. Water element stands for cohesion, for liquidity, for wetness. And uh, our body consists about 75% of water element. And we can experience it particularly, you know, in the mouth, the wetness of the mouth. But also the whole uh, flesh of the body is permeated by water element in the form of many different liquids. And we can now sweep up, you know, from the bottom of the feet experiencing water element, 
in the flesh, which is between the bones and the skin is the flesh. So water element, feet. And lower legs, water element. Upper legs, water element. Pelvis water element. Torso water element. Hands water element. Lower arms water element. Upper arms water element. Shoulders, water element. Neck, water element. Head, water element. The whole body is permeated by water element. Water element internally and water element externally as the lakes and rivers and oceans, the rain. Is not different. Water element internally and water element externally is exactly the same. Simply water element. Water element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't drink for three days, the body starts to shut down. We can't live. And then the next element is the fire element, which comes from the sun. Either you know to direct the heat from the sun or the food which is grown in the sun, which is eaten and digested and produces also fire element. And we can experience that fire element either, you know, in the mouth, the warmth, or under our arms, or also generally on the skin, where the skin meets the outer temperature in the room. We can be aware of the temperature, heat or cold. We can start, you know, sweeping down from the top of the head. Becoming aware of fire element. Neck fire element. Shoulders fire element. Upper arms fire element. Lower arms fire element. Hands, fire element. Torso, fire element. Pelvis, fire element. Upper legs, fire element. Lower legs, fire element. And feet, fire element. The whole body is permeated by fire element. Fire element internally and fire element externally are exactly the same. Fire element is empty, empty of a cell. And as human beings, you know, we can, uh, in an, uh, for an unlimited time span, we can live only in a certain temperature range, which is about 4 to 35 degrees Celsius or 38 to 95 
degrees Fahrenheit. And everything above and below that you know, leads to illness if we're there for too long. And the body shuts down again. It's dependent on a certain temperature range. Either, you know, water starts to freeze or to evaporate and then the body shuts down. And warmth and heat is actually, you know, um, actually just temperature, it's just movement. And movement is wind element. And we are particularly aware of wind element through the breathing process, expansion and contraction of the chest area. And everything in which is in motion in the body, the blood circulation, Breath, all the elements, you know, the oscillation of the cells, it's the constant motion. Some of it is so subtle that we are not conscious of it. Becoming aware of the breathing process, constant change. And if you don't breathe, you know, for about three minutes, the body shuts down and dies. And then it starts to disintegrate. So this uh, meditation on the elements shows us very clearly the dependence of the body on everything else. And it also shows us that there is no real internal and external. This is just a certain way of looking. You know, looking of a mammal, which we call like a human being, experiencing itself in the environment and looking in this manner, yes, there is an internal and external, but it is not a constant internal and external. It's a constant exchange of taking in elements and letting them go with through the food, through the breathing process, through drinking, going to the bathroom, sweating, crying. There's so many ways, you know, how we excrete elements. The skin itself is an organ, which also, you know, excretes elements. So to really learn to see those subtle truths which are with us every moment, but we don't tend to look at it. We don't tend to pay attention to it. And this meditation is there in order to bring that home clearly. And then we can also become aware that we are sitting in space. And there's also, you know, space inside the body, the cavities, the mouth, the eyes, the ears, 
chest area, the womb, and each cell. Emptiness. So you know, being aware of the space around the body, you know, which permeates the whole room and doesn't end at the walls of the room, but goes on endlessly. We live in an expanding universe. You know, listening to that space, so to say. The silence. That's the fifth element, so earth element, water element, fire element, wind element, and space element. So whenever the mind wanders off into thinking about anything, we're bringing it back to listening to the space. And allowing the mind to open up. And then we can, uh, you know, drop the space, the space, perception of space, and becoming aware of that which knows the space, which knows all the elements, knowing itself, which is also immeasurable, just like the space. Otherwise, it wouldn't be able to know space. So dropping the object and subject being aware of itself, like making a U-turn, so to say. That's the sixth element, consciousness. Knowing itself. Subject knowing itself. Being the knowing, resting as knowing. And that's what we call another you know, refuge of Buddha. And also dropping, you know, any notion of I or 
me knowing, just knowing, no need to have anything else attached to it. No need for selfing. Just knowing. And then, you know, we slowly come to the end of the meditation and, uh, you know, it's impermanent as well. Even, you know, when the mind is really spacious and, uh, you know, liberated from any selfing for some time. When the time comes to bring an end to it, and we can do that too. The temporary liberation of the mind. And then we are paying attention to, yeah, this is also impermanent. Even if it is a very, you know, pleasant experience, when it's time to let it go, we just let it go. By knowing, you know, it's futile to attach, to hold on to that which is constantly changing. And allowing, you know, that insight into impermanence, you know, washing away the, the clinging, washing away the craving. by uh, paying attention to endings, paying attention to that we usually don't pay attention to. We just want to get on to the next thing, to the next thing. But in this case, we pay real attention to this is coming to an end. Then just like letting it go, giving it back to nature, Dhamma. Just like the body has to be given back at the end of its lifetime. So every, you know, object needs to be let go of every moment. Just coming back to the body, experiencing the body, coming back, and then you know, opening your eyes, opening and closing the eyes a few times, maybe. Just taking a bit of time to ground yourself.
Thank you. <clears throat> that was wonderful to experience that meditation. <clears throat> so um, it, was a, it was perfect for how I was thinking about what was arising for all of us in this moment. Um, and I'll even open that a little more. So I, I wanted to start um, by uh, recalling some of the reflections I had when I had cancer. I was thinking back uh, to what time in my life was similar to what we're going through now. And about 30 years ago, I had cancer. And when you get a cancer diagnosis, all of a sudden your life stops. All the plans you had just evaporate. And you go into um, the similar isolation of receiving treatment. And when you're receiving treatment, <clears throat> your immune system is greatly weakened. So you are even more isolated socially. And what was interesting uh, was to see that um, experience revealed really what is precious about life. So in the recognition that life can be short, um, I came to a greater respect of the preciousness of each moment, a greater respect um, and care for those uh, who were helping me and those in my life that were dear to me. And um, as I prepared to leave that quarantine um, and resume activity in the world, I could see that that space of being quarantined allowed me to see lots of assumptions and beliefs that were limiting how I wanted to use this precious life. So the fear of a short life or the recognition of impermanence allowed me to conquer some of the fears I had about security and needing security. So within six months of completing treatment, I was in India studying, and then within a year I was ordained. So I left the cultural security, the societal security, and was able to uh, build a life that um, reflected what I wanted to know in this moment of time that I had alive. Um, and put me on a path to examining those questions through the Dharma. So this collective experience that we've been through is similar. We all stopped our lives. Everything came to a halt. All the futures we had planned evaporated. And as we're starting to move towards the door again, we can look to see what was revealed for us in this period of time? What is limiting to us as humans, limiting our consciousness, and what kind of a life do we want to build? We have no idea if there'll be another uh, virus occurring anytime. We have no idea if we'll catch the virus tomorrow. We have no idea who among us will live or who will die whether it's the folks in the grocery store or spiritual teachers. So huge cultural shifts happened during this quarantine. We were all able to see what the planet looked like. Delhi that was so dense with pollution that um, planes wouldn't land there anymore, all of a sudden was clear of that brown uh, ozone-like fog. Uh, there were pictures of Paris being able to see clearly again. So we know something about the environment that we were trying to hide from ourselves. Um, if we look at what we learned um, in, particularly in the U.S., we learned a lot about racism. There was so much about that we were trying to hide from ourselves and we could not escape facing directly while we were in quarantine. Everyone saw George Floyd die. Other cultures had other revelations. 
our friends in Canada are really looking directly at their relationships with the indigenous friends, indigenous brothers and sisters right now. There are all kinds of revelations that we were able to see. So now the question is, what do we do with this information and how do we walk out the door and what are we building in our new life? And can we conquer the fears that were driving us to numb ourselves or driving us to blind ourselves? Has what we have seen about life enough that we can keep our eyes open as we move through the world? His Holiness has a wonderful quote that um, I reflect on all the time. And you know how we put important things on our email signature. This has been on my email signature for probably 20, 30 years as well. All things, all beings are interrelated, interconnected, and interdependent. I remember being in the assembly when he said that and really thinking about those three simple words and how they're like a bell ringing through me. And then as I think of what I experienced in quarantine as an older person with a weak immune system and as someone who has um, a degree of class privilege in the sense that I'm supported and I have a home, I was totally dependent on other people to survive. When I think of all the folks who went to work at the supermarket and how interrelated and interconnected I am with each and every one of them, with their families, with the safety of their families affecting their safety, affecting their ability to keep food supplies going. All the folks that might have been anonymous now were personal. The FedEx man was personal to me. I could see his stress developing. I could see his stress in terms of how he delivered packages. Um, I could see it in his facial expression when he was delivering packages. So a layer of shielding dropped away in the rare actual personal interactions that I had. Like many of you, I was only going to the grocery store intermittently and I constructed a very tight bubble of people I would go for walks outdoors with. And at the same time, I was dependent on multitudes. In the same time, my spiritual well-being was supported by hundreds of invisible pe people. Very quickly, the Drikun Kagyu sent out um, particular spiritual practices for us to do, um, healing practices for uh, the world and all the different populations that were affected. But I was acutely aware because I worked for His Holiness on a couple of special projects that I was dependent now on all the people who are working on this special project, how to translate the text on practices for times of epidemics, how to uh, distribute them on the web, all the invisible friends in all the different centers who were making all that information accessible and available so quickly, all the people who searched for exactly the old tankas to get the pictures of uh, uh, the aspect of Tara dressed in leaves or Parnashavari, the great protector for the times of epidemics. So all this information flowing came through lots and lots of hidden people. And those same uh, Dharma centers were sustaining um, His Holiness's health. And then as I was um, contemplating as the pandemic was moving from country to country, I thought, 
uh, as I've grown older, all my nieces have nephews and nephews have married. So now I'm personally connected to Mexico. And I was watching what was happening in Mexico City and all of the circumstances of COVID there. I was watching the Dharma Center in Taiwan, where I had stayed just recently. What were their circumstances? And we're very connected. We're an affiliate of the nunnery in India. So we know how India greatly suffered during the pandemic. So there was a, a, a global personalization um, in the same way there was a local personalization. And I'm sure all of you were experiencing that in the same time through your families and all the ways you were getting um, sustaining information and support during the pandemic. So in our quarantine, we were also experiencing a different kind of interconnection with the environment, with the planet, and with the global community. And what was um, interesting um, was there was something else that was going on in a hidden way that I wasn't particularly aware of until some of uh, our uh, Sangha were helping us prepare for this um, session. So at the same time, we were experiencing more interconnection. We were building up habits of uh, sealing ourselves off. So these bubbles that we created were an intensification of the already kind of um, human experience of our self-referencing. So we controlled all of our relationships in a different way. We controlled the bubble. We had so much interaction, but it was virtual. So it wasn't in-person communication. So in virtual communication, um, if, we, uh, if we choose, we can cut it off in an instant. We can just press a button and hang up or press a button and leave the meeting. But we don't have to take as much in-person responsibility for the reactions and response, responses of our words, of our facial expressions. And when we went to the grocery store, we were wearing masks. So facial expressions were hidden. So we had such a mixture of experience um, and um, unconscious building of another kind of sealing ourselves off. And um, particularly as we were moving through the meditation on the elements, um, there was a whole different experience of the air. We became terrified of air. In communal spaces, all of a sudden it wasn't safe. So a fear that wasn't present now is present um, relative to air. <coughs> so here we are. Uh, to some degree, the treatment isn't finished, but to some degree, we're opening our door again. And it's a it's a time of assessment and and self-reflection on what we have learned, both good and bad. And how are we going to move forward with all of this new information? So um, I want to uh, work with the meditation specifically about that. And I'm going to invite you, I'm just warning you ahead of time. I'm going to invite you to move around <coughs> your space and move from the virtual. So um, building on what um, Ayasanta Chita just offered us, I want to take that a little further. So let's start by sitting, um, aware of the elements going right back into that meditation, aware that it's been our human ha habit, just our normal vulnerable human habit to see all of our experience as my experience. I am feeling my body, I am feeling my air in the room, I am seeing it, if this is safe for me, seeing if I like or don't like this, 
And I want to soften that shield that we have um, between what we consider inside and outside. So in addition to our experience of the elements, I'm going to invite you just to reflect on your senses and open your senses. Right now, as you're seated in your space, open your sense visually and visually connect with anything that is alive. If you can see a plant in your room, if you can see out the window, if there are other people in your space, looking away from the computer to things that are alive in your space. Right now in Maine, it's the um, time when a lot of insects enter the house. So there are lots of little live beings spiders, and particularly ants right now. Also, your sense of hearing. I can hear birds outside my house. And very, very subtly, I can hear traffic, other human beings moving around the world. So although I keep myself intentionally blind or sealed, it's only because I'm ignoring the permeability of those imaginary shields or psychological shields. The sounds I hear are not either inside or outside. I'm connected to those winged voices. Similarly, fragrance. We begin the morning here with a little incense. You might have some flowers. And certainly I can feel the air moving on my skin. I can feel the heat of sitting next to somebody. So see if you can move from that quality of being sealed in a self-referencing plastic wrapped being to a net that has soft boundaries and is totally permeable by the life we're with. Let's take a minute for that. And now I'm going to invite you to actually walk over to some being that's alive in your space. You can open a window and look outside. We have lots of chipmunks outside here. If you have other people in your space, open a door, open a window, and really connect with that living pulse. <clears throat> And aware that that other being 
treasures their life, their awareness, their precious moment on earth. I don't have to look too hard to find a corner with a little spider somewhere. <laughs> I only have to drop one little piece of food and there's a mound of ants. Each and every one has a mind, an awareness of their life, their environment. One of, the, one of the wonderful teachings from our tradition is Buddha nature. Every being with mind, human, animal, insect, birds, all beings that possess awareness. We certainly are questioning now if the planet and plants have awareness. There's new proof about that. So all beings with awareness have Buddha nature. And our Buddha nature and their Buddha nature is the same. We have the same potential for realization. So each precious life has the same Buddha nature as our own. And any disregard for any form of life is disregarding Buddha nature, the same as our own. So, Again, with your eyes not so much on the computer, but towards a window or towards a door or towards a plant or any live being in your space, really take on a contemplation of softening to the equal Buddha nature. The experience of that being is just as afraid of pain, in the same way wanting happiness, wanting the requisites of nourishment, wanting freedom from suffering in just the same way you do. There's a sense of equality because awareness has the capacity of Buddha nature or has and holds Buddha nature by its very being awareness. So soften into our sameness in a direct, not a virtual experience.
let's sit with that for a minute. Now I'm going to invite you to move again. I want you to walk right to the front door of wherever you're living and open the door and pause. And really allow yourselves to experience walking towards the door and opening the door with your habit energy of being sealed. I've got to get to the next place. I don't have to see suffering to the left or right of me. And then pause in a tenderness and allow that seal to drop and allow yourself to be permeated by everything you can see around as you open the front door or if you're in an apartment opening the window and looking outside. Really look at that uh, doorstep as a pause into tenderness to meet all the Buddha nature life forms, as opposed to the habit of sealing off, hurrying to get to the next event, event that's going to purely benefit me in a way I like, as opposed to opening the door, softening in tenderness, and seeing all the Buddha nature beings surrounding you.
Returning to our cushions, let's take in that moment of softening and opening to all the Buddhas around us, all the baby Buddhas, with the same aspiration of happiness and liberation. And really think about the force of those habits of sealing off. I'm going to just jump in the car and get from one place to the next, opposed to opening, softening, and tenderness. I'm going to walk through the crowd without seeing anything disturbing, opening, softening, tenderness. We can use this incredible time of learning. And carrying the open, softening that we were able to do online in our sanghas, in our realization of interconnection into the physical world as we open our doors. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.